0: Do you know what time it is? It's that time again with Cindy Gurn, who has the latest news about employment trends, current opportunities, and innovative strategies for managing a career on WERA ninety six point seven FM in Arlington, Virginia. So, people, I am honored today to have Captain Christy Twining of NOAA as my guest. And uh, I am particularly interested in what she has to say because she is the first female pilot I've ever met and the first pilot who drives into, drives, excuse me, flies into hurricanes. And uh, she'll explain why and how she does it. But uh, the overall title that she has is Chief Aircraft Maintenance Branch and Gulfstream for Instructor Pilot. That's a mouthful. So welcome, Captain Twining. Thank
1: you. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: So can you tell us what that job is? And I want to go back to your early background. But first of all, can you tell us... Now, before you do that, though, I was thinking, as uh, I got ready for this uh, interview, whether I would be more frightened flying in a hurricane or driving on our on our beltway in D.C. <laughs> what do you think is more treacherous? More treacherous? I, I have, uh,
1: I have to agree that uh, driving on a, a treacherous highway can be can be more dangerous because you don't have. You don't have the utmost control of the situation. So, I mean, the, the beauty of flying an aircraft that you are in control of is that, you know, you have control over the situation. And that's the part that, that is uh, much more um, uh, acceptable, I guess, in terms of risk than, than driving on a treacherous highway. Hmm,
0: that's interesting. You no, know, uh, years ago, I went hang gliding and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was pretty treacherous. And uh, yeah, and he, and the uh, I, you know after about two runs, he made me st- the, the the instructor told me to uh, to stop because it was getting too windy and he was afraid it was going to fly into the ocean. And uh, <laughs> but I I think about I would we read the instructor books like the day before they give you the instructor books and uh, and it was de- the instructor book was dedicated to Joe Smith born in nineteen you know forty who died in nineteen seventy two. I thought this, this is a story here. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Not so. good. Well back to you. Back to you. So tell me, what is what is describe your the ins and outs of your job title now.
1: Well first and foremost I'm a NOAA Corps officer. So I'm a uniform service member in the NOAA Corps, which is the sm- of the seven uniform services. And so my, you know, much like a military service, our our day-to-day jobs can vary. We're 24-7. Um, but I work at the NOAA Aircraft Operations Center in Lakeland, Florida, and my primary job is to serve as a G-4, Gulfstream IV um, aircraft commander and instructor pilot. So that takes press for everything else that I do at, uh, at the AOC. And that that requires... Um, that requires me to support all of our operations at and any other um, missions that we have throughout the year, as well as training new pilots, um, providing flight training, and um, updating our, our standard operational procedures, and that's the flying side of things. So, that's it in, in a nutshell. And um, I also am the chief of our maintenance branch. So, for aircraft, we have nine aircraft, and I am, the, you know, the chief that oversees of all of these aircraft, including anything from, you know, middle level maintenance to day-to-day um, maintenance, as well as the oversight of. Uh, I believe we have twenty-five maintenance and and um, director of maintenance. So it's a it, that job in and of itself is is a full time. So I have what I think is two full time jobs.
0: But I think I only so have too. 24 <laughs> hours
1: in the day. <laughs> so, so, I'm busy a lot. <laughs> so,
0: well, tell me, is there is there only Gulfstream 4 planes in your in in Tenoa site?
1: No. No, so we have um, we have two P3 Orion aircraft that are um, with the the weather modifications. So, it's so a WP3D aircraft, we have two of those. Um, and then we have uh, the Gulfstream 4, which is a hurricane surveillance primary mission aircraft, and we also have four Twin Otters and one King Air, and then a, we have a Jet Prop commander. So the left uh, are extremely busy to fly between 800 hours a year, and they're all over the place. They're, they're supporting missions from you know um, protected species, which marine mammals, seals, dolphins, whales, turtles. And in support of our National Marine Fisheries Service, uh, they've also performing um, surveys that require them to have lidars on on board, a specialized equipment to to measuring the, um, the coastline and the, the bathymetry of the coast, so the topography of the coast. Hmm. So there's, uh, you know, several missions that those aircraft are responsible for for satisfying.
0: So, so are you the only branch of the this uniform services that does what? What you do, you say? Right. Others? So
1: the, no, the um, well, Navy has uh, a small unit called the Naval Research Lab, and um, that's a squadron up in um, Pax River, Maryland, right. and they do um, they do some scientific missions with their P three aircraft, um, of course. They're a component of the Navy, so they fall under the Navy but um as far as uniform services the you know the the pure science base of of NOAA and the NOAA Corps is very unique is very unique to um to uh, what we do so
0: so science you mean by science you mean your you know atmospheric science, water science marine biology all of that.
1: Right. So we have. um, I mean, NOAA stands for National Oceanic and Atmospheric Science. So atmospheric administration. Hmm. We have we have several line office NOAA that are are responsible for every aspect of um, of the science community, of serving community. So we have. The National Ocean Service, which um, there's a component of the National Ocean Service that does the charting and mapping, and that's you know, part of a big part of our mission with the aircraft. And then there's the National Marine Fisheries Service, so protecting and managing um, fisheries stocks and and also protected species falls under that. And then um, we also have the Office of Atmos- uh, Atmospheric Research, which is you know more the research component of our mission. And and um, so the Weather Service, of course, is the big the big line office that we support too for both hurricane and and um, severe storm um, research.
0: Mm-hmm. So basically, your your uh, services supports all of those line businesses line line offices.
1: Correct. Yeah. And anything that, <coughs> that airborne science data collection is. Any of those missions that airborne data is required you know we will we will um, of course um meet that requirement in whatever way we can
0: well, that is very interesting and, and I hope people are paying attention because that is incredibly critical today and and as everything is being Affected by the atmosphere and and water, it's just changing all the time. And so, how so you 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 fly over it? You know you know it. You map it. You can see when changes are occurring, uh, and you can report back to to whomever you do what you see. seen, all right? right. And we, I mean, we
1: have science to also pilot the aircraft, but. Uh, we have a lot of um scientists that fly with us and then also um, develop the the profiles and the research patterns and just the you know, the flights that we conduct, they will they will provide that to us. Mm-hmm. We will usually tell them whether or not we can do it. I mean, most of them wanna go through, you know, worse the worst weather that you can imagine. They want to go through thunderstorms and tornadoes. But of course, you know, we have to keep the aircraft and the people safe. So we uh, don't always have the ability to meet their needs but we do the best we can
0: well speaking about speaking of hurricanes uh i saw i heard you speak at a uh, meeting here in dc and you showed a film of uh and it was it was absolutely quiet in the room as we were flying with the plane through the worst hurricane I think in in the world, right? I mean, was, was that was that the the theme? Was that the topic? <laughs> well, the it
1: it was. I think it was the lowest, um, the strongest storm ever ever flown by a NOAA aircraft, the Hurricane Patricia, in, in um, two thousand and fifteen, I believe it was, and we. We flew that storm in the, with a P3, measured 879 uh, millibars, which is one of the, the lowest, if not the lowest, ever uh, recorded, at least um, by our aircraft. There may have been lower ones recorded in in um, you know in other regions, but that's the lowest one that, that you know lowest pressure. Lower pressure means stronger winds and you know stronger um, uh, stronger storms. So, in terms of destruction, though, you know any storm that is has hit along the coast. There's certainly Hurricane Michael, Florence this year, Irma and Maria last year, and of course um, other storms that we're familiar with, like Katrina and Andrew, um, that have really impacted, you know, the East Coast of the United States. It's, it's uh, they may not have been as strong as that storm, but certainly in terms of destructions, they they uh, are certainly one some of the most destructive and the most destructive storms we've ever seen
0: so i I'll tell you, I thought the plane that we were figuratively flying in was going to fall apart. It was shaking so much, and they drove they as they drove they flew fast through the to the hurricane and to their credit, they kept the the plane above <laughs> the ground and uh carried on and that was and that's a little bit like what you do all the time, right. <laughs> You uh right fly through hurricanes and you pick up things that you're not supposed to forget ever. So back to right. the beginning, you uh you were you were from Southampton, Long Island, and you went to uh, Long Island University. Is that correct for your undergrad?
1: I I did. I went to Long Island University for my undergrad. I, I'm actually from a small town in upstate New York, Plattsburgh, New York. Which
0: is, oh, that's where um, the state college is, isn't it?
1: Right. There's a state college there, and there used to be an Air Force base there, and my house was on the approach path to that Air Force base. So I used to watch planes come over my head every day, all day long.
0: Now, what did you think about that when they came over your head? Did you think I want to be a (laughs) pilot when I grow up?
1: Yeah, I thought they were, first of all, very loud and very big and then i thought well that's pretty pretty neat i'd like to i'd like to do that someday <laughs> um you know it wasn't wasn't something that my parents really encouraged me to do i think they just definitely wanted me to go to college and get a good good education and then from there on you know it was it's it was up, up to you.
0: To me, so, <laughs> so, <laughs> so you went to uh, and you majored in marine biology, uh, which I, and which I think is interesting because the first person I interviewed on this radio show was a marine biologist, and she uh, she is a professor at Washington College on the Eastern Shore and she spoke of, of marine biology as almost a uh, religion it's all the things that you can imagine she 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 explored and she understood so but you didn't stay in marine biology or did you you went to after you graduated you uh you moved to alaska now what prompted you to move to alaska
1: i think alaska was just it was probably the farthest away that I could go. And, and I, and I did get hired to, um, for a job up there. So I was just eager to explore and eager to, to expand my understanding of my, of my environment. So I, I decided that that was the best choice for me and I was going to challenge myself. And, and I did, I, I kind of started the ball rolling on constant challenge and, and putting myself out of my comfort zone, so I moved there and I worked on fishing boats. And I was a biologist on fishing boats initially, and then I, then I ended up being a deckhand on the fishing boats because they got paid more. So I thought a lot
0: <laughs> I was curious about that. You were you were a biologist, right? And then you went to <laughs> right okay for money, money, okay. <laughs>
1: but I I did uh, worked in Alaska for five years, and then I I started to get a little more serious about having a a career rather than just a, a paying job. So um, I did, uh, I found out about the NOAA Corps when I was in Alaska and that's when I, I applied and, and got accepted.
0: Hmm. Well, did you, I mean, before, did you have a job in Alaska when you went there or did you get the job after you were there?
1: No, I got the job when I was still in New York and I, I think it was on a, um, the door of one of our, Guidance counselors said eighty dollars a day. Uh, Alaska Fisheries Observer, call this number and and so I called the number and they said yeah come on up we'll give you a job and um, so I went up there I, I got the training and we learned how to count fish and how to how to accurately um estimate the the catch that the fishermen were were taking in and this was in part for NOAA I mean they were required on board observers and and so my job was to you know act as a representative to the National Marine Fisheries Service and and um I found it you know difficult in a lot of ways I had some very very superstitious um, captains who didn't allow women on their their um, fishing boats, and I was the first woman on their fishing boat, and they uh, fought it was very hard to get me removed. But they couldn't they couldn't fish if I wasn't on board, so I went and um, and they didn't like it, but I made it through, and they made it through, and we caught fish, and everybody was happy.
0: <laughs> and that I I don't know whether that's still true today i mean do they still have that program today
1: they still have that program yes and it's um it's required for uh it's it's both for management requirements fisheries management and also um uh just i guess part of it is an enforcement as well so that's awfully expensive, they're isn't it? Make sure. it's,
0: it's awfully expensive to have it. It's awfully expensive, I would think, to have a person on board to ca- to make sure mm-hmm. that they're counting Fitch correctly. Is it?
1: Right. And I, I'm sure that they have developed some more automated methods by now. I've, I'm not really familiar with the program any longer. But um, but it, there at the time, there was no substitute for just having a person on board to oversee the um, the catch and to be there when. When things came on board to make sure that you know they weren't catching more than their quota, they weren't catching illegal species and and um, prohibited species, and that they were you know doing everything within the required regulations.
0: Mm. You know, I uh, am, I sometimes volunteer for an environmental film festival, and there was one film uh, about a uh, about a ship that. Was catching fish off, off way off the shore, and it was illegal. They they were catching illegal fish, and they were very astute at uh, avoiding capture. The ship was, and there was this one um, ship full of people like you, who were bent on getting them. <laughs> And they they traveled back and forth for several years, and they finally caught these, this uh this renegade ship who was catching fish, and uh, it was very I mean it was very exciting to watch it, but uh, but I don't know whether I could live that two years or whatever they took to catch that that ship that boat. It was uh yeah, it was awful. It's
1: tough living. <laughs> out at sea it's it's not for everybody living at sea.
0: I know you must have been a a tomboy when you were you know were you a tomboy
1: i I probably was i mean i I grew up with three older sisters and you know we lived in a small town and my mom was a physical education teacher and she used to just never even let us in the house in the summertime and we we would have to leave the house. we hardly wore shoes for the whole summer i was it was in. I was in sports. I was, you know, very athletic, and um, so I guess, I guess that's the tomboy.
0: <laughs> well, I think. Were you the oldest, or were, where were you in the hierarchy?
1: Uh, my family, my sisters.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, uh, they were all older
0: than me. You were the youngest, and you had I'm, to get the, to, I'm the baby. You're yeah. the baby, and the baby had to leave town <laughs> to find her wings. Yeah. I, to find her wings. That was yeah, so clever. <laughs>
1: I, I left. I, I did more exploring. I mean, they all. I think for the most part, they stayed closer by, and, and they all live in relatively the same area. So, but you know,
0: yeah, they it's, did well. Well, from when you got your wings in two thousand two, uh, and and since then, you've been with NOAA's uh, aviation, NOAA's aviation program. So what what other jobs have you had? Have you had any exciting adventures that you can share with us? Yes, I ha- most of them
1: related to the, the mission and flying, but my six or so, seven years flying the Twin Otter mm-hmm. were some of the most uh, adventurous times I've had. Flying um, the what? What was it, it? The Twin Otter aircraft. Oh, Twin Otter. One right. of our, our mm-hmm. light aircraft that we got to fly um, all over Alaska. There was a, a, a survey that we did where we were um, helping our, our partners, our NOS partners, um, install you know, GPS approaches throughout uh, native villages and small villages. So we got to fly and land on gravel strips and camped out on the Arctic Circle a couple times. And, and you know, so just some. Um, Adventurous times and times where we couldn't land at certain airports. So we would call on the radio and say, Does anybody know where the better?
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> and somebody
1: would call in and say, Hey, try this clear over here. So does, it, um, does the
0: otter land in water or just is it, is it on land? Is it a land the planet? twin
1: otter, well, it's, we flew it to space. We did not have floats, but it's capable of landing on water with floats.
0: Okay, okay. Because I've seen planes, and that seems so dramatic, to flying into to an area that's isolated and you land in the water. <laughs> it just yeah, seems, so. well, it is. And but it is.
1: yeah, that, those were some fun times, and certainly flying around glaciers in Alaska and, you know, the that we would look were on the ice and the glacier, so we got really close to glaciers and some fjords in Alaska. Mm,
0: that's beautiful. Okay, so any other exciting experiences on your, otter? on your otter? Yeah,
1: I mean, flying down in Mexico and Acapulco and um, seeing whale sharks and blue whales from the aircraft and and um, seeing things that you're not supposed to see, like turtles in a place that they shouldn't be because the the water was so warm hmm. that the turtles were, were further you know, further north than it ever been. Things like that. I think that that were interesting, and and to see that from the air was was um, was remarkable.
0: Are you unique because you have a, a science background and you're a pilot? Is there anybody else who has that sort of mixture? Yeah,
1: everybody, because the, our service requires um, requires a science background. Uh, if people do not have a degree, then they have to go back to school and get the required coursework. I mean, we do have some people with uh, AVs, and they have a meteorology background, but everybody has some math and science uh, in their coursework that's a requirement for the NOAA Corps.
0: That's an important thing to stress. They have to have math and science in their background, right?
1: Correct, correct. Are you listening, people? We're (laughs) science agents. What's that (laughs)
0: I said, are you listening out there, people?
1: (laughs) Yeah. For everybody who's interested, math and science, and of course the the specifics of that are through our recruiters and online, the the requirements are also there. So if if anybody listening is interested in that, we're always recruiting, and we're always looking for bright young individuals who want to serve their country and and, uh, be in the science community at the same time.
0: Is the only base down in Lakeland, Florida. That's where you fly out of, right?
1: That's just our aircraft operations center. We have 16 research vessels, and our home base is actually, or our headquarters is in Silver Spring, Maryland. So in the within the Beltway, we're located there. Uh, we have several buildings that have the NOAA headquarters, um, but the Office of Marine and Aviation Operations is the headquarters for the NOAA Corps.
0: Hmm. and but the only place you have a, your planes flying from is lakeland right, Correct, right. All right. That's they're,
1: they're that's because of hurricanes and being you know positioned in a place where where we can easily access access the the hurricanes
0: yeah the most'cause most hurricanes fly in from 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 that area don't they
1: well they 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 different areas they they Pool off the African coast, and they'll they'll start making their way west across the Atlantic Ocean, and then later, and then like Michael did, um, you'll them come off like the Yucatan, and then the, the Southern Caribbean and Gulf of Mexico, and then come up through the Gulf that way. But um, when they when they do that, we have less time with the, the storms, less time to study them, to fly them, less time to forecast them, so they they come quickly.
0: When they come off we have a lot more time to uh, to watch on them. Okay, and I want to uh, you know we're we're rapidly running out of time. I wish I could go on for an hour. Um, you have your graduate degree from GW. Yay, GW. All right. Uh, what is your What is your graduate degree in?
1: Uh, I have a master's of project management, and that's a it's called MSTM. From uh, George Washington University, and uh, it's it was one of it was a very challenging, and, and it's a you know a Master's of Science, even though it's a sort you know business type major, because there's there was so much math uh, involved and and modeling, so it was very challenging, but uh, a very good very good uh, classes and coursework to get that degree.
0: Congratulations! Uh, very helpful. Yeah, thank <laughs> very... you. It
1: took me, it took me many, many years. I finally did it.
0: Of course, it's a semester, right? Right. I, uh, I, I'm proud of you, and I'm sure everybody else is, and your husband is as well. Um, to wrap up now, you, you're, va- you're on vacation now uh, in North Carolina. Did you fly into your North Carolina retreat, or did you walk in, or did you drive in?
1: <laughs> I wish I my husband let me have a small airplane and I've been scoping out all these little airports um, and for research project I actually designed an airport right in this town and uh, it's something that I would love to see happen but no I actually drove um, I had a conference in Atlanta uh, talking about the future of our P3 so I just came up here it's only three and a half hours north. Uh,
0: thank you very much and uh Uh, Captain Twining, and we look forward to your next visit, okay?
1: Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much.
0: You're welcome. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to The Workforce Show. This interview and others can be found at WERA.FM or at CareerCentralOnline.com Thank you for listening. Until the next time.